Welcome to the Fitbox Podcast. This is your host, Joseph Frankie. Glad you're here listening. On our podcast, we talk about two main things. First and foremost, we interview members of Fitbox so that way you can hear their stories about how they're repaying debt, how they're saving for retirement, buying homes, all this type of stuff, really to give you motivation and some different ideas. That's the first thing we talk about. The second thing our podcast do is we take individual finance topics and go through them in more detail so that way you can say, does this apply to me and how does this apply to my plan? So if you have questions or you want to sign up for Fitbucks, you can do so in the show notes, fitbucks.com, build your profile, schedule a call. We'll be talking to you soon. Enjoy the episode. All right, welcome to another podcast episode. Uh, Today we are interviewing Claire. Um, I'm not going to go too much into her story, but she has paid off a ton of debt and I believe it's like four to five years since graduating PT school, made some conscious decisions in there in terms of which route to go. So she's going to share the story today, um, you know, before we get in, as always, um, you guys know, we have our new financial planning software out. So if you guys are interested in that, let us know, sign up, schedule a call. We'll go from there. With that, Claire, it is is nice to see you again. Um, Nice to hear from you. Uh, Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, just some background. I believe it was 2017. We went up to Pacific University. It's one of the first schools that had us come out. Um, And that is when we initially met right before you graduated, I believe. Is Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So yeah, that was that was a long time ago. It seems like <laughs> um, a lot's happened in the world since then, right? So, um, you know, really before we get into student loans and your financial plan coming out of school, for those that are listening, Claire is a PT, got her doctorate. You know, just start there because we do have some pre-graduate level students, not necessarily PTs that listen to this, but like other ones that are thinking about going into like PT or OT or becoming doctors or whatever it is. You know, just talk about a little bit of your decision about why you decided, okay, hey, this is the route that I want to go. PT is the route for me. And then, yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah, I um, I was kind of the typical story of somebody who had an injury in high school and had to go through PT on my own. And I thought, oh, yeah, this seems like a cool job. You get to hang out with people all day and, um, you know, help people meet their goals and had these really rose colored glasses at the time. <laughs> Um, but it, it was actually during my observation hours where I realized like, wow, PTs do a ton of stuff. They like treat any age, right. Any setting. Um, so I, I just realized it was a really going to be a really great investment because I could kind of go on to do anything I wanted to. Um, so that was, that was what took me into that field initially. And, um, I actually had a couple years off after undergrad before I went to PT school um, to solidify that that was what I wanted to do. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. It's actually funny. Uh, you know, obviously being an athlete too, uh, a lot of injuries and stuff, but I went the opposite route. I was like, I can't treat myself. So I married a PT instead. Yeah, so. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so fantastic. Fantastic. Um, you know, applying to schools, getting into schools, like how many choices did you have or like, you know, was Pacific dealing school that, that you got into, you know, just talk a bit about a little bit about that part of the journey as well. Yeah, when I initially applied, I was a senior in college and I knew I wanted to become a PT that entire time during undergrad, but I didn't really understand what it took to actually get in and how competitive it was. So 
I applied to a few schools, um, like in South Texas, that's where I was living at the time, um, and didn't get into any of them. And I was like, oh, shoot, I need to probably button things up here a little bit. <laughs> and uh, so I, I did end up applying um, a couple of times before I got in. And I got into um, Pacific and one other um, during my my third time on, on applying. And uh, Pacific actually ended up being perfect, right? I got to visit the campus, they did interviews, um, and that was my top choice um, going in, going into uh, kind of that application period. So yeah, everything worked out the way it was supposed to. Yeah, good thing. I mean, Pacific, I love it up there. Those of you that don't know where Pacific's at, it's what, about a half hour, 45 minutes outside of Portland, um, yep. up in Oregon. Um, personally, I love it because I love being outdoors and I don't like really big cities. So that's like, <laughs> what is it? Hillsborough is where it's at. Or something yeah, like that. like yeah. it's, I, <laughs> like I love going out there because yeah. it's like, oh, finally I get out of a city and I can relax. Um, you know, it is a little bit more of an expensive school, but it's, it, it's a nice school nonetheless. Um, obviously, you know, not uncommon for us, you know, to, if this answer to this is no, because uh, we hear this all the time. Going into school, had, did you look at any of uh, like the financial side of it, the tuition side of it, or is it one of those things where it's like, like a lot of people we talk to, it's like, you know, my counselor just said, go do it. Like, you know, worry yeah. about the, the, the finances later, you know, tell us a little bit about that thought process of, of going into school and any, anything that you did on that side. Yeah, I did. Um, I did have a lot around considering this, um, especially because a lot of the schools that I applied to in Texas, you know, like that yeah. in-state tuition um, would have been uh, probably a third of what I ended up doing at Pacific. Um, I think at the point where I had been like out of undergrad for a couple of years and I've been working full time, um, doing some of those like observation hours, um, I was just ready to go to school. Right. It was kind of like an opportunity cost situation where it was like, I, I like the school. It's fantastic. Right. If I waste or if I don't go for another year waiting for a, another school that I might spend a little bit less at, um, that's not guaranteed. Right. Like, yeah. um, I just need to decide if I'm going to make the jump. And I think at that point too, it was like, this is an investment, right. Just like any going to any school, taking out loans, like, it's an investment in my education. So I don't think I really quite understood what that was going to look like on the backside, <laughs> um, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a huge deterrent, I would say at that time. Yeah. And then I got to come to the year school and scare you guys. No. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <In the> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, good stuff. Good stuff. So obviously you, you go to school, getting your DPT, you graduate when you graduated, you know, how much debt did you end up graduating with? Yeah, I had a little over 140 K. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have any undergrad loans, which was like amazing, but I had a little over 140 K. Yep, exactly. And that like you brought up, you know, do you go to school right away or do you wait to apply for a year? Again, you, you brought up, and I'll talk about that because, again, we have a lot of uh, pre-DPTs and, and pre-graduate students on this. I mean, that's something really to think about because, you know, you go to a Texas school, maybe it's like 80 or 90 grand in debt that you get instead of 140, but you're also not working for a year. And then what happens if you also apply the next year and you still don't get in? And now you got to wait actually two years because now you're applying again in the other school. So it's, there's that opportunity cost that you brought up. So that's, you know, I'm glad you brought that up and 
again, the 140,000, like I said, Pacific, they, they tend to be on a little bit of the higher end, but yeah, <laughs> I really like it. <laughs> um, and so you graduated. Um, what else were you looking at in terms of finances at that point? Like goals, you know, just life events that you saw coming up that, you know, not road bumps, but it's like, I got to plan around this. You know, what was that looking like in, in terms of your situation also? Um, you know, I think like all of the, all the typical goals where you're like, I'd like to settle down and have a house or I'd like to settle down and like plan for kids or um, I was fortunate enough to have uh, bought a car before I went to grad school. So I was like, not really, you know, pushing for that, but um, all of those little, little things that you're like, oh yeah, I'd love to, love to have a house a couple, in a couple of years or yep. um, uh, a lot more recently, you know, like realizing I need to invest in my future for retirement and all of that, but that was less on my radar (laughs) for graduation, I would say. So um, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the big things, I I know that you got married. How do, I can't remember, are you guys, were you guys married when you were in school or did you get married afterwards? We got married after, after school. So yeah. So I'm also married to a PT who also went to Pacific. So Uh, we're kind of in that double, double PT school loan situation. Yeah. And, and this is the reason why I will bring this up because, uh, you know, I'm going to go through your journey of paying off your loans, but a lot of times, you know, when we put out podcasts like this and videos like this, we'll have people say, oh, well, they paid it off because they were married and they have dual incomes. In your situation, that wasn't the case because your spouse also had student loans because I, I know her, her also, like I worked with yeah. her too, like you yeah. both had, both had well over six figures in student debt. I believe it came out combined to almost $300,000 in debt. We both had similar income. So it wasn't like one of you was making 200 grand a year and another person making 80 grand. It's like, you know, you guys were both PTs making PT income. So it's almost as though like if you were a single person in the same situation, it wasn't like you were getting married to somebody that just had all this disposable income to throw at the loans. Okay, yeah. so- in a similar situation, I think that's that's key to point out because again, like I said, we put out these podcasts. People we like, oh, that's I couldn't do that because you know I'm not married, or you know I'm married and we both have that. It's like, well, yeah, you guys were both married and you made a conscious decision. Now, in your case, you had a big decision to make, and that is because you worked at a nonprofit, and so yeah. you really had to sit there and say, do I try to go for public service loan forgiveness or do I try to pay off my loans? You know again, talk about the decision. You, you did go pay off, but talk about why you thought about that and why you made the ultimate decision to go with the payoff route instead of going for any type of loan forgiveness. Yeah. Um, this, uh, is my Fitbuck start, right? Like uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you come to Pacific and, you know, we're all freaking out cause we're two weeks from graduation and, um, you know, the university can essentially give us our options, but not give us any counseling on like, what's going to be the best situation for us. So um, you come to Pacific and kind of lay out all of these different options. I think at the time, uh, this was about uh, probably two things for, for me. And we, I wasn't married yet. So, right. It was like, kind of got to make this decision for myself, knowing that like my partner at the time, we were probably going to go down that route to get married. But um, it was like, I couldn't, imagine just marrying my like future 
to the federal government. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it came down to. Um, you know, like having some bit of uncertainty or some bit of um, like not quite knowing what was going to come, come around the pike. I think at that point too, like the public service loan forgiveness was in like eight or nine years. So like nobody had gone through that 10 year mark yet. Yep. Does that sound right? Yeah. It's um, about, they had first started in like 2008 was when the first person started it. So yeah, you yeah, were, yeah. Like a nobody year had even been something. able to apply for it yet. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think not having that certainty um, and then having to say, okay, for 10 years, I've got to stay in a, like in a job that's going to qualify. I've got to stay in a job with enough hours that I'll qualify, right? Like there's just a lot of things that uh, are kind of go out of my control in terms of deciding I'm going to do this public service loan forgiveness. Yeah. With that, I mean, you, so you paid them off for four and a half years. So that, I'm just going to round up, say five years. And let's just yeah. say from a mental standpoint, let's just say you had gone public service loan forgiveness and you're standing here today saying, I, I still got another five years on this. I mean, I, I know it's hard to say because it's a hypothetical situation, but just thinking about that, you know, versus, hey, I, I got these paid off. Like, look at the stress level. My stress level is way less because I got these paid off versus, you know, hey, I still got five more years. Like, you know, talk about the emotional side a little bit. If you if you sat there and actually thought, man, I might have another five years left on these things. Yeah, I, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to knock it for my coworkers who have gone that route. I think we all like make our decisions based on what's best for us individually, but uh, they're, student they're like total student loans it's grows and grows and grows right and that's yep. kind of a scary thought to feel like well I hope at the end of the 10 years I haven't made a mistake here yeah. um I'll say for for myself and for my like spouse um this I would say mentally and emotionally um our loans have been like a pretty big burden right just to say like this is always on the background like there's there's just always um, kind of something that's looming. Um, we don't have that anymore. Like we're yeah. totally uh, like autonomous here. Like we, we're not in debt to anybody. Um, so the freedom now, um, to say we can kind of do whatever we want to with our money, like we're paying ourselves instead of paying a lender, um, is, is pretty amazing. Right. Yeah. So you think about, um, if we were going through that another 10 years, we'd be almost 40, right? thirties. <laughs> like still feeling like there's this uh, kind of monkey on your back a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's amazing to not have that anywhere. Yeah. You said, um, you know, you didn't want to be married to the government for, you know, the 10 years and depend on yeah. them. That's the, uh, that's the living in Texas side of you uh, coming yeah. out right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. And at that time too, because they, the government has put some, like some paperwork stuff out, so that way it's a little bit easier to know, like if you are on pace to get it forgiven. But at that time, when you graduated, none of that stuff was even available yet. It wasn't even yeah. out yet. Um, and I mean, like just this morning, I mean, we were recording this. What is this? January 27th. Like Business Insider just put out a, a, a story today about a teacher that, you know, missed one payment on PSLF because it was like two days late and they just forgot about the payment. And now they're having a hard time qualifying for public service loan forgiveness because technically if you miss one payment, you get you don't qualify 
And even though Joe Biden like put out this thing earlier this year that even if you're late or whatnot, as long as you made 120 payments, you can submit it before October of 2022 and you'll get it forgiven. They're still having a hard time getting it forgiven. Um, and so again, those are the headaches. You should really got to really look at the trade-offs, right? Like you did. Is it worth the, the amount of savings, having this for 10 years, having this over my head? Is it worth it or not? All right. So now one of the key things, when you sent me an email, you said that you had paid off the loans, like you're celebrating all that type of stuff. Uh, one of the big things that you said in there that really stuck out at me is you didn't have to severely sacrifice your lifestyle and activities. Okay. Because a lot of people are out there, you know, they read the guys like Dave Ramsey's of the world. And if you, if you want to follow Dave Ramsey, fantastic, you know, whatever, like that's fine. Um, we talked to a lot of people that do that. A lot of people that eat top ramen for three or four years, which I, I'm not sacrificing food for anybody. Um, but you did this. And what we typically tell people is like, if you're doing a payoff strategy, do it in five to, five to eight years. That's, that's a decent time. Like that's good. Um, you did it in four and a half years. Um, but like you said, you didn't have to sacrifice lifestyle. You know, talk about a little bit about what you did and, and how you did that. Um, so that way some people can get some ideas and say, okay, well, I can do that as well. Um, probably, I would say probably one of the biggest was, uh, we had roommates for three years. Yeah. Um, so I guess two years for me post-grad and, uh, three years for my, my now spouse, um, post-grad. So that was, that was probably one of the biggest savers. Um, and it wasn't like a, wasn't a big sacrifice. I, I know not everybody ends up in this situation, but, um, we lived with some of our best friends from grad school. Right. Yeah. So we're here we are. We're all like young professionals um, still wanting to like go out and have fun. Um, but all nobody's staying up till, you know, 1 a.m. blasting music on a work night or something like that. <laughs> right. So it, it was it was easy and um, I would say enjoyable while we all like like our own space in some situations. Right. It really wasn't that big of a deal. So. Yeah. Um, especially live in a city like Portland where rent can be pretty um, substantial. Like we, we had really low rents. We had a great landlord and we got to live with our like good friends for a few years. So yep. um, that was a, a huge money saver, I would say in the, in the long run. Yeah. And one of the big things, you know, if it's okay with me asking, because we have a lot of people again, you had 140,000 people are like, well, my, my location like I couldn't do that because I don't, I don't have the income. When you graduated, you know, if you don't mind sharing, what was your yeah. income? I think um, at, uh, I was in an outpatient clinic at a hospital. I think I was somewhere around like 70,000 starting. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's probably about right. Yeah. That sounds about right for the Portland area. So yeah. those of you that are, are wondering for PTs that we see on our platform, the average is right around 78,000. But that average gets really skewed up because of places like California and stuff that are employing a bunch of PTs and their pay is high, but the cost of living is ridiculously high. So it kind of skews it up a little bit. So yeah, low mid seventies is, is typical what we see in that area. So I wanted to point that out because in finance, that's basically like a two to one ratio, your, your debt to your income. And so to be able to pay that off in, in four and a half years, and like you said, you didn't have to sacrifice lifestyle. You had to get roommates, which 
you know, that's, that's, that's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of people move back in with their old roommates, AKA their parents. That's another option. Right? <laughs> so it, it, it could be worse. Right. <laughs> um, that's right. So, um, you know, one of the big things now you touched on it, you don't have any debt anymore and you still got the same paychecks coming in actually bigger paychecks. Cause I'm assuming that you have pay increases. Yeah, that's right. Um, what are you doing now? What's next up on the, on the list of, of finance things to accomplish? Yeah. Um, so a uh, big, big goal is saving for a house. Um, so we still rent, which has been great uh, this time without roommates. Right. But um, still great. We don't have any unexpected costs um, or anything like that. So uh, it's it's a goal to own a home and uh, have that as an investment, but um, you know it's not it's not been like an overarching. We're missing out on something big, um, at least for us personally. So yeah, next goals are uh, having a having a house. Um, my spouse really needs a new car. Um, <laughs> it's it's fine. Like it's not been a, a big burden for her, but um, yeah, a car is on the horizon and. Um, and then saving for kids. Yeah, that's so. that's the big expense. Kids and houses. Speaking of houses, everybody always underestimates how much time and how much they cost, like true cost, like yeah. all the upkeep and the time. And I just tell my wife, I was like, man, like if I was single, I'd have a room somewhere and rent it on a mattress on the floor and have no, <laughs> no right. worries of having to do 20,000 different things every single day. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. So I was joking around with her. She's like, yeah. I was like, why can't we still do that? She's like, cause we're married and you have a daughter. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> so good stuff. Good stuff. Um, you know, any other last words of encouragement or, you know, anything else that, you know, just pointers and tips to give out to anybody that's listening to the, to the podcast today. Yeah, I think, um, you know, whether it's um, with your y'all's new kind of budgeting, like total financial picture um, situation, like we we had a financial advisor the last two years. Um, and regardless, like it was really nice to see our, our whole picture, see where we could cut things, see. Um, and then like we learned to budget and yeah. actually like have meetings together. And um, I don't, I'll go back to, I don't think we really restricted uh, or spending significantly, but it brought awareness to where our money was going. And um, that was huge for us. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of at the points over the past year um, or more that we were paying one of our full monthly paychecks to our loans um, yeah. and not really missing it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think we also too had to keep reminding ourselves that while the debt sucked, like that was our investment in ourselves. Um, so like at the end of the day, if we could just accept that, right. That we were like doing this for ourselves and for like the longevity of what our earning potential would be over our career, like that, that was worth it. So. Yeah. And just like, let you guys know that are listening. I mean, in terms of paying yourself, this is an investment in myself. I might've said this to you guys' class too. And I've, I've said it, you know, different workshops and webinars and, videos and stuff you know at the time when you graduated like even if you refinance rates were like four and a half five percent some of your student loans are at like six six and a half percent so let's just say on average they get down to like five percent once you pay that off that's a risk-free five percent that you get in your pocket 
like you, you don't have to stress about it. It's literally risk-free and the risk-free rate on investments right now is like 0.25%. So it's like, great. Now I got all this money. Now I can turn around and reinvest. And for yourself, you actually had a good time because the stock market just went down like 15%. So now you got all yeah. this money you can invest if you want to. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, one last thing to let you guys know too, that I listen to the podcast. So Claire brought up the, um, like the tracking solution, all that type of stuff. So like, when Claire came on, I mean, I, we were just rolling out like our student loan tracking stuff to to track payments, to make sure the loan services were doing it right. We had just started partnering with some of the student loan refinance companies to do our refinance service. Um, the one that she was bringing up, like our new one, but that is like a full-on financial planning software. So you can literally put in everything from like your budget to your asset contributions, your debt payments, your insurance payments simulate things like, should I pay off my loan? Should I go on PSLF? What if we want to buy a house? What about kids? Should I rent or buy? All these different things. And then you can actually track the whole thing right on your profile. So that is what she was referencing. Cause I know a lot of you that are listening to this also, you know, have been with us for four or five years and we haven't publicly announced like to everybody about this new technology that we have because we're rolling out some like apps and stuff on it. So but that's what Claire is referring to. You might've heard me reference it too. So that's what it is also. Um, Claire, again, thank you for coming on. Um, yeah, thanks it's for always, having me. You know, some people get really nervous on the podcast. So thank you again. Uh, um, and uh, any anything else that you'd like to say? No, I think, uh, I don't know, it's, it's worth it. Feels good to be debt-free. Yeah, congratulations yeah. again. Yeah, thanks. Yep. Thanks. Talk to everybody soon.